Let's turn to 1 John chapter 4. Last week we covered verses 1 and 2. Today we're going to cover verses 3 and 4. How about that? Woo! All right. Jesus could come back before we even finish this book. Wouldn't that be terrible? <laughs> Not at all. That would be awesome. I am going to back up, though, and read verses 1 through 4 so we get ourselves on up into the context of today's study. So beginning in verse 1, 1 John chapter 4, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, big A, the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, bless you, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Let's pray. Father, we lift up this time in your word, ask that you would anoint the teaching of your word, that you would cause your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts today through your word. Lord, we pray that it would be like that time when Jesus was here on the earth and the people were amazed because Jesus taught not like the Pharisees, but he taught as one with authority. So we pray that your word would come forth today authoritatively and that you would continue that ongoing process of transforming us by the renewing of our minds. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we left off last week, verse 2, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Four things that we pointed out here. It's not just enough to acknowledge that Jesus is a true historical figure. Some people even struggle with that. But his incarnation, meaning he was born into this world as the Son of God, God incarnate, you know, it's from that, what that Latin word, the Spanish word, carne, for flesh, God in the flesh. Secondly, so because of that, his deity, God in the flesh, fully human, fully God. So we have his incarnation, his deity, the fullness of his humanity. He repeatedly referred to himself as the Son of Man. So all of this is included in acknowledging that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Fourthly, it also involves his resurrection. Because though his flesh was destroyed, beaten, battered to a pulp, nailed to a cross, buried in an empty tomb, he rose from the dead. Amen? Conquering sin and death. All of that is part of what John is referring to when he says, acknowledging that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Because many people will give him, oh, you know, intellectual assent 
verbal, oh yeah, I, I, I know Jesus was a real person, was. No, he isn't was, he is. So it's more than just acknowledging him as a real person. And like I say, a lot of people struggle even with that. But we're going to move on now to verse 3. We're talking about spirits. Started this last week. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. You see, whether someone confesses Jesus or denies Jesus, that doesn't come from the flesh. That comes from the heart, the soul, the spirit. Whatever you say, whatever you believe concerning Jesus, that's coming out of your spirit. And if you're denying him, that, according to John, that's the spirit of Antichrist against Christ, against Yeshua, against the Messiah. Whether it be a human spirit, as we talked about last week, we're created in God's image, we are spiritual beings. God is a spirit, but every spirit, whether it be human, demonic, angelic, God is a spirit. He cannot disown himself. Every spirit, regardless of the origin, that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. You see, man has a tendency to always want to kind of muddy the waters, right? Take black and white and turn it into gray. But what I love about God, what I love about His Word, is He is very black and white. Everything is crystal clear. Jesus will let your yea be yea, your nay be nay. If you deny that Christ has come in the flesh, and all that that means, you're not of God and if you're not of God what does that mean you're against him that's right so simple so it doesn't that just simplify things well I don't know if that's of God or not I don't know if he or she is of God or not I don't know if I'm of God or not well if you acknowledge all that Jesus is the sinless, perfect sinless Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect sinless life, died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead and promised forgiveness and salvation to everyone who would put their faith in Him. And you, you say that and you mean it, you believe it, you're of God. That's not too complicated, is it? If you walk in obedience to His Word, not so that He will save you based on your good works, but you walk in obedience to His Word because you love Him, you know Him, and your desire is to please Him. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. There are a whole lot of spirits out there. Did you know that? A whole lot of spirits going on that will acknowledge just about anybody or anything. Except for Jesus. Have you noticed that? Man, you can be so cool, so hip, so politically correct. You can acknowledge Buddha. Cool, no problem. Richard Gere. You can acknowledge Mohammed. 
We do have to protect the Mohammedans, you know, at all costs. Even if they slam Christians and slam Jews like Elon Omar and Talib and all those folks that somehow very illicitly and illegitimately got into our government. Oh my gosh, there he goes again. Well, I never intend to do it, folks, but uh, you will know a tiger by his stripes. Every spirit, they'll acknowledge anything. Buddha, Muhammad, Krishna, Obama. A lot of people worship him. He even made a joke about the fact that he was God before, or Morgan Freeman was God before Obama was God. There was a movie, Bruce Almighty with Jim Carrey. In that movie, Morgan Freeman played God. I have no problem with that. But then Obama says, well, yeah, I, I got to meet Morgan Freeman pretty cool because he was God before I was. How many people even paid any attention to that? That was an absolutely blasphemous statement. And it slipped right by about 99.9% .9 of the population. And then he got up in one of those roast dinner things, and he made a, I think it was that press, what is that thing, the press dinner that Trump never goes to that I can't blame him for? And he goes, contrary to popular belief, I was not born in a manger. How many of you heard that? See, it slipped right by you. This guy was getting up in front of the people and basically claiming to be the Messiah. And people called him the Messiah, and even most Christians didn't even get it. And I made people mad who left my church because I talked about these things. But there was an absolutely demonic spirit behind that entire administration. And I'm telling you what, right now what's going on in our nation... We already, we're already, they're already campaigning for the next election, if you can believe that. It's not about politics. This is darkness versus light. This is good versus evil, folks. This is God versus the devil. You get it? Most people don't get it. I hope at least you guys get it. I can't be responsible for everybody out there, but I am responsible for you, and I hope and pray that you get it. When they're talking about aborting babies after they're born... When they're talking about transgendering kindergartners? And you, don't, you think that's about politics? That's about doctrines of demons from the pit of hell. And most people are numb to it, even people who identify as Christians. And when guys like me talk about it, people get mad. And you know what? The devil gets... Why do they get mad? What are we talking about here? Every spirit that doesn't acknowledge Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Every spirit. There's a lot of spirits out there, folks. As you well know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except me. That's why the spirits will acknowledge anybody else. <laughs> the Orlando Sentinel. President Trump just held his uh, re-election campaign rally in Orlando. The Orlando Sentinel issued their official 2020 presidential endorsement, anybody but Trump. That was their endorsement. But you know what? All these spirits are out there saying, anybody but Jesus. 
Take your pick, Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck. Who's the leader of the club? Okay. Anybody but Jesus. The only problem, Jesus says, nobody but me. Nobody. Acts 4.12. Nor is there salvation in any other. Well, that's not fair. I want 31 flavors. How about no flavors? How about you become a post-toasty? No. God loves you too much for that. He's not willing that anyone should perish. Nor is there salvation in any other name. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. One name. You know, the, there's actually a steakhouse on North 4th Street. What is the name of that place? I can't remember. Georgie, was she in here? Where they have the, the secret password. Vernon's. You have to have a knock, knock, knock. Bozo the Clown. I don't know what it is. There's a password. I've never been there. I can't afford it. It's like 150 bucks a plate or something like that. And back in the old days during Prohibition, they had the speakeasies, right? Those underground drinking and gambling establishments that my wife's family was all involved with. <laughs> it's true. They were Italians. Yes, the Vito family. I'm serious. Their name was Vitulo when they came from Italy, and they changed it to Vito. My mother-in-law's picture is in a book called The Small Dones, an original or an American crime family. It was a picture of her at a dance hall in Denver, Colorado. You don't mind me saying this stuff, do you, Georgia? <laughs> I always thought it was kind of cool, but... I don't even know how I got there now. The password. You don't get in without the password, right? Whether it's a speakeasy or Vernon's Steakhouse or the Kingdom of Heaven. What's the password? Jesus. No other name. And uh, Carol's here this morning. We love you, Carol. Her husband just passed away. We had a memorial for him here on Friday. You're welcome. I've used some of these same scriptures in that message. No other name. And that's why the number one most popular cuss word, swear word, is God and Jesus. Have you noticed that? When's the last time you saw somebody stub their toe and scream, Allah! <laughs> if you did that, they'd kill you. People do it all the time with Jesus. You can't hardly watch even a PG, PG-13 movie without somebody using the Lord's name in vain. And by the way, we Christians have gotten a little lax. I hear Christians, they don't, mean, they don't mean it in a bad way, but when they say, OMG, oh my God. How many of you know about Ray Comfort? Oh man, everybody should know about Ray Comfort. Please, I'm begging you. I've told you before, go on YouTube, watch Ray Comfort. He's probably the premier evangelist of our day. He's confronting people on, oh, they say, I'm a, I'm a good person. 
You know, if there is a heaven, which I don't think there is, but if there is one, I'm sure I would get to go there. Really? Have you ever told a lie? Well, yeah. What does that make you, Ray says? The person has to agree. Well, a liar, I guess. Have you ever stolen anything? Anything at all? Oh, well, yeah, of course. I. What does that make you? A thief. Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? And Ray goes, OMG? And they go, oh, yeah, I've done that too. The point is, we're all sinners. We've all come short of the glory of God. But we've got to be careful to guard and protect that precious name of Jesus. It's the only name given under heaven by which man must be saved. It must be honored. It must be uplifted. It must be protected. We should never, ever use or abuse that name. And that includes attaching his name to stuff that he had no part of. Oh, God told me to do it. God said it was okay. You know, there's an old song by a country guy, Tom T. Hall. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. We don't need anybody to tell us what it's all about. Do you remember that song? You guys don't remember much, do you? I know, I know. I'm just kind of obsessive with trivia and details and stuff. Just teasing you. But you know what? That's not accurate. Me and Jesus don't got our own thing going. I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm part of God's eternal kingdom. I don't have any special privileges or permissions from God. I'm Just like every other believer, I'm obligated to follow this. Only name. 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one God and one mediator. We all know what a mediator is, right? You've got a conflict. You've got a disagreement. You've got two parties at odds with one another, perhaps at war with one another. And by the way, the Bible says that we are at enmity with God. We are at war with God apart from Christ. Jesus is the mediator. He brings us together. How does he do that? By shedding his blood on the cross for our sins. One mediator. The local priest cannot mediate for you. No human being other than Jesus Christ can mediate for you. Only Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, I don't want to go through Jesus. Well, then I guess you're just not going to go at all. It's your choice. God's not going to make you become a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ. It's your choice. So every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of or from God. Now listen, this is so important. Because we human beings oftentimes, as believers, the Bible says, and we've already seen it here in 1 John, we've been given an anointing from the Holy Spirit, an unction. We have discernment. God has given us the discernment, the ability to discern the truth from a lie. Sadly, many times we don't use it. We go upon our own emotions, feelings, fleshly instincts, and so forth. I hate to say it, but I would propose that the majority of people in the church today do exactly that. They make their judgments and their decisions based upon outward appearances and their own feelings. 
Every spirit, every human being has a spirit. There are demonic spirits. There are angelic spirits. God is a spirit. The Holy Spirit. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of or from God, no matter, listen to this now, no matter how spiritual, charismatic, how loving someone may appear to be, appear to be, if they do not fully acknowledge Jesus in every aspect of who and what he is, then they are not from God. Period. I believe it was Joel Osteen. I can't, I, it was either Osteen or Warren. I think it was Osteen. Several years ago, was on Larry King, Larry King Live. Yeah. Thank you. Larry King asked Joel Osteen, So, Joel, are you telling me, as a Jew, if I do not accept Christ, then I'm going to hell? What would be the proper answer? Well, Larry, actually, that, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's true. Everyone, Jew or Gentile, must accept Christ. What Joel Osteen said was, Well, you know, Larry, that's not for me to say. So-called America's pastor, national TV, has just been asked whether someone can be saved without Jesus, and he says, it's not for me to say. One example of many similar flaky preachers out there that are worshipped by millions. My experience, the multitude of people who really enjoy him are very immature and illiterate in the Word of God. But that's how it is. Galatians 1.8 Even if we are an angel from heaven, we read this last week, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Now, is Joel Osteen an angel from heaven? No. He's just a human being, just a man like you and me. Did he just preach another gospel to Larry King on national TV? Yes, he did. I'm not going to ask how many of you own any of his books here today. I'm not going to ask how many of you watch him on TV. But by God's definition, he's a false teacher. Let him be accursed. It's up to God to do the cursing. That's not our job. Jesus told the Pharisees when they were judging the woman caught in adultery, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. What did they all do? Dropped their stones and walked away. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It's up to him to do the cursing, but it's up to us to use our God-given discernment and the truth of his word. What does John tell us next here in verse 3? He says, this is the Spirit. Now, you notice sometimes John will use the word, Greek word that is translated Antichrist with a small a, which that's just a general spirit of Antichrist, anti-Jesus. But here it's big A. This is the Spirit of the Antichrist. We're told in the Gospels that when Judas betrayed Jesus, Satan entered into him. We're told in the book of Revelation that Satan will personally enter and indwell the Antichrist. It's pretty strong language by John here. And we've already learned that even in John's day, the spirit of Antichrist with a little a was already present. First John 2, 18. Little children, it is the last hour. 
Now, John said that 2,000 years ago. John was one of the 12 apostles. John the Beloved, the Apostle of Love, John the Revelator. Does John have a lot of credibility with you? He should. John said it's the last hour. But oh no, John was wrong because here we are 2,000 years later and Jesus hasn't come back yet. One day is like a 1,000 years. A 1,000 years is like a day. My point is this. If John believed it, and if John believed it, I accept it, that he, it was the last hour then. How many minutes in an hour? 60. The clock has been counting down for the last 2,000 years. So if John said we're in the last hour, let's say the clock was at just one minute past the hour. Now I suspect we're about 59 minutes past the hour, wouldn't you say? The last hour. It's the last hour, and as you have heard, that the big A Antichrist is coming. Even now many little A Antichrists have come, by which we know it's the last hour. In fact, folks, we're talking about spirits here this morning. Any spirit that does not acknowledge that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that same spirit was present in the Garden of Eden. His name is Satan. And again, any spirit that denies any aspect of the absolute humanity and absolute deity of Christ is under satanic, demonic influence as unpalatable and uncomfortable as that may be for us to acknowledge. You might love them dearly. It could be a family member, a friend, a co-worker. But if they can't acknowledge that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and all that that represents... I'm not saying that they're a horrible person. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I'm telling you, they are absolutely under demonic influence. Because you're either under the influence of God's Spirit or you're under the influence of the other one. There are no other options. Do you realize that? You can't be inhabited by Shirley MacLaine. <laughs> I am God. You cannot be inhabited by the Dalai Lama or the Dalai Mama. Any Dalis. 1 Timothy 4.1 Now the Spirit, the Good Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, the one you and I want to be connected to, the Spirit, big S, expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Latter times. Now again, we just pointed out, John said it was the last hour. In the book of Acts, when Peter gave his first big evangelistic message on the day of Pentecost, and they were speaking in tongues, and people said, oh, these guys are drunk, man. Drunk as a skunk. Peter says, no, no, give me a break. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. These men are not drunk as you supposed. This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days I will pour out my spirit. So we've been in the last days for the last 2,000 years. The only difference is it's a lot more last now than it was then. It's a lot more latter now than it was then. In latter times, I believe, 
specifically the times that we are now living in. What would be one of the hallmarks of the latter times? A great departure from the faith. That's happening before our very eyes, folks. Some will depart from the faith. By the way, you can't depart from something you never embraced in the first place. If you've been a self-proclaimed atheist or agnostic all your life, you can't say, well, I'm departing from the faith. You were never there, right? If you've been a Wiccan or a, you know, or a warlock or a Satanist or what have you, I'm departing from Jesus. You did that a long time ago. Who's he talking about? Believers or, as I've coined the term a while back, those who identify. When a world, we live in a world today where men are identifying as women, women are identifying as men, some people are identifying as houseplants. <laughs> right? And there are many who identify as Christians. It's not nearly as popular as it was a while back. That one song we sang, Our Father Which Art in Heaven, Sister Janet Mead, that was back from the Jesus Movement days. They were playing Christian and pseudo-Christian music on the secular radio. It was actually kind of cool to be a Jesus freak. But I'm telling you, it ain't so cool anymore. It's becoming less and less cool. In the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Why does that happen? How does that happen? Giving heed, giving ear, giving attention, listening to, and believing and receiving deceiving spirits. Exactly what John's been warning us about. Paul warned Timothy about the same thing. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. As I said last week, when I was a young believer, I thought doctrines of demons must be like witchcraft, Satanism. So that would be part of it. But it's a lot more than that. I just quoted Joel Osteen. Oh, it's not for me to say whether you would get to go to heaven or not. Really? Jesus told the apostles that he had given them the keys to the kingdom. He had given them to authority to forgive sins on earth. Not because I have anything within me that can forgive your sins, but I have authority through Jesus Christ to tell you if you believe in him, your sins can be forgiven. By the way, you can do the same thing. Every believer can do that. The very foundation of the church is the apostles' doctrine. Not Joel Osteen, not Rick Warren, not Kenneth Copeland, not Kenneth Hagin, not Benny Hinn, not Paul, the late, not great, Paul Crouch, and so on and so forth. None of these false teachers. The church is not built on their doctrine. Thank God! It's built on the apostles' doctrine, Acts 2.42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And fellowship. See, the apostles' doctrine came directly from Jesus Christ himself. No third parties. No other spirits involved. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. Jude 1.3. Beloved, writes Jude, brother of Jesus, by the way, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, 
I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly, fight hard for the faith, which can be altered and, and changed around according to people's whims, personal desires. Is that what he's saying? The faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Who delivered it? The apostles. Those filled, anointed by the, with the Holy Spirit, called by God. He breathed His words into them and they wrote it down for us. That's our foundation. By the way, referencing 1 Timothy 4.1 again where Paul warns, the Spirit expressly says, in the latter times some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. This was written way back in the first century. From the very moment the church began, Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, the devil has not stopped fighting against God and his church. Satan's strategy for undermining and eroding the faith of believers everywhere is to introduce doctrines of demons into the church through false teachers. Deceiving spirits. I could give you a laundry list. I don't want to go out of my way to offend people this morning any more than I already have. I could go through various groups and denominations and cults and give you many examples of all the doctrines of demons. I did a little bit of that last week. 2 Timothy 4, 2-4. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. Having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. You ask, how could people who are seemingly sincere, genuine, warm, friendly, blah, 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 charismatic, how can they just go out there and bald-faced lie to people and act like they really believe it so much so that you begin to believe it? How, do that, how does that happen? Conscience is seared with a hot iron. That's like cauterizing a wound. You know, if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you get a big nasty wound or a cut, and you don't have any access to any other resources, if you can find something, a piece of metal or something that you can heat up in a fire, you can cauterize the wound, right, and seal it. Are you following me here? I don't think you guys had enough coffee today. <laughs> a conscience that's been seared with a hot iron is a conscience that's been sealed off and doesn't work anymore. Get it? No conscience. How do people get up with all sincerity and say that it's for women's health and for their protection to kill their baby? Even up to the third trimester. Even after the baby's been born. Does that, do you say, how is that possible? Do you ask yourself that question? I hope so. Their consciences have been seared as with a hot iron, they have no conscience. How can you take a kindergartner and sit them in front of a transgendered person dressed up like a clown and have that person read stories to your kindergartner and those nasty spirits are rolling off of that tranny? Ooh, boy, is this guy hateful and evil. <laughs> yeah, I hate the devil. I hate sin. And I hate it when children are corrupted and these people lying to us every day about how much they care about the children. That's the devil. That's demonic. 
That's the devil laughing and lying in your face through these people. And you better know it and you better believe it. And you better stand up to it. Because if you don't and I don't, who will? Who will? Nobody. The whole world is going insane, folks. Sin is a terminal illness and it will make you crazy. And it's making people crazy. Right before our very eyes. So they think we're crazy. They especially think I'm crazy. Oh yeah, baby, I'm crazy like a fox. Be as wise as a serpent, as gentle as a dove. Right? And I can be a little more intense with you guys, I think. I hope you can take it right. I don't go out on the street and do this to people. Maybe I should. Pray about that. I do it on the internet. People watching right now, freaking out. <laughs> Folks, you've got to fight fire with fire. You've got to fight the devil's fire with the fire of God. Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to use my, my, my angel feathers and fight the devil. I'm going to slap him around with my manna. I don't think so. Conscience is seared with a hot iron, and then he goes on and talks about some of the legalistic things that they do to people. And by the way, folks, another reason I believe we're at the last of the last days, the end times, the latter times, there's a different dynamic at work today. 2,000 years ago, some guy could go over here in some little corner of the world, start his own little cult. Nobody else would ever even know about it. Today we have the internet. We have satellites. We have cell phones, smartphones, you know, laptops, iPads. It's easier today than it ever has been to gather a great number of people around one false teacher. Over the TV, over the internet, by the way, megachurches, I'm not pointing the finger at any particular church. I'm just saying, if you happen to get a megachurch where the guy is a false teacher, he can influence a whole lot of people at once. And then they start their video campuses. Again, I'm not pointing my fingers at anybody. Don't try to read into this. But then they, why do they start their video campuses? Because they don't believe anybody else is capable of teaching God's Word? No one else is capable of telling the truth but them? But what if they're not telling the truth? And now instead of having one location, you've got 20. I do know of a mega church that, whose stated goal was 20 churches by 2020, all with the same guy on, the, on a screen. Rather than sending out 20 different people who may be called to the ministry, giving them an opportunity to pastor a flock, well, they won't do it right. We can't let them do that. They're not qualified. They're not capable. You know who else wasn't qualified or capable, according to men? The Apostle Paul. They were very suspicious of him. He wasn't part of the original 12. He was a Christ-hater and a killer of Christians. He was the guy who held the coats of the men who stoned Stephen to death. He didn't spend three and a half years hanging out with Jesus like the other ones did. But Jesus personally met him on the road to Damascus. 
And Jesus qualified him. So now, we've got mega churches, multiple screens, because that's just the way you do it now. You've got TV and radio, internet, and so one false teacher can influence millions of people in a heartbeat. That could not have happened 2,000 years ago. Last days, folks, end times, latter times. John 4, 3. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, we're still working on this verse. I want to get to this next part. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming. They'd heard it from Jesus. They heard it from John, from the other apostles, men who were faithful to warn the flock about the wolves that would try to come in and ravage the sheep. Matthew 7, 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves, hungry for the souls and wallets of men. Paul warns them, or Jesus, I'd rather hear, beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing. Acts 20, 29, this is Paul. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Paul warned them clearly, the Ephesian elders. Not that this might happen. Paul knew that it would for sure happen. How difficult it must have been for Paul to depart from the Ephesian church knowing what would happen afterwards. But he had to go. He had other things to do. Called by God. But he warned them, be on the lookout, be watching, they're coming. John says here in verse 3 of chapter 4, 1 John, you have heard they were coming and now they're already in the world. Knowing what we know from the Scriptures, folks, we would be foolish to believe for a moment that this spirit of Antichrist is no longer active in the world. Sadly, there are many who identify with Christians that scoff at the idea of the end times, the last days. Oh, no, 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 no. Jesus isn't coming for a really long time. Do you know that God doesn't like that kind of language? In fact, in Matthew 25, God says it's the evil servant that says, my master delays his coming. That's not pleasing to God at all when you say that. You know, there's an old expression that's been levied against some people who, I know Keith Green once said, you know, um, gosh, what was the term now? Fanatic. Keith Green said, how many of you remember Keith Green? A few of you. Another great man of God. Died in a plane crash many years ago. Wrote some incredible music. And he was a dynamic preacher. Keith Green said, a fanatic is somebody who loves Jesus more than you do. Try that one on sometime. A fanatic is somebody who loves Jesus more than you do. This spirit, the spirit of Antichrist, is alive and well in the world today. And yet there are many who would scoff, deny it. Oh, no, no, no. Technology will save us. Science. Pharmaceuticals, medicine, God's great, but the real answer lies within man himself. Welcome to the Epcot Center. 
I am Werner von Braun. We now have the ability to launch a nuclear weapon. We used to watch Werner von Braun in school. Anybody remember him? The Nazi guy that defected to America? Okay. I think I'm living in an alternate universe. <laughs> and all, in fact, folks, all logic and spiritual insight would tell us that this spirit of Antichrist is getting stronger and stronger. Do you or do you not agree? 2 Thessalonians 2.1 Now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him. We just learned two things in that first verse. One, Jesus is coming again. Two, He's going to gather us together to Himself. So we ask you, Paul writes, not to be too soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter. See that word spirit in there? Or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Jehovah's Witnesses teach that. He already came. It was just a secret. He's in hiding. Which we all know that's Jesus' uh, M.O., is it not? To hide from His people? I don't think so. Let no one deceive you by any means for that day. Big D. It is a very significant, specific time in human history. That day will not come unless the falling away comes first. Gee, where did we just hear that? And the man of sin, the Antichrist, is revealed, the son of perdition. By the way, Judas was also called the son of perdition. And just like Judas, the Antichrist will be personally indwelt by Satan himself. Verse 4. The Antichrist who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. Hmm. Morgan Freeman was God before I was. Who knows? Maybe that guy's poised for a comeback. You never know. So that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So the time is coming very soon when the Antichrist will tell the whole world that he indeed is God and you must worship me. Do you not remember that when I was still with you I told you these things? Writes Paul. And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains, who do you suppose that is? He, it's a person. It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus ascended into heaven. He says, I got to go because I'm going to send you the comforter, the counselor, the Holy Spirit to come alongside you, to live in you, to come upon you. So Jesus is now in his physical body, his resurrected body. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, waiting for the Father's word, go get him. Go get him. So who is down here restraining? As bad as things are, what do you think they'd be like if there was no Holy Spirit in the world? And how is the Holy Spirit in the world? He's in God's people, in God's children. He lives in each one of us. We are a restraining force, even at our weakest. You walk up to the water cooler, they're telling a dirty joke. Uh-oh, here comes Holy Joe. Tone it down. Oh, they'll apologize for using a bad word. Did that happen, right? 
That may not sound like a big deal, but it is a restraining force. And many other ways that we are a restraining force in this world. And so we're told here, before the Antichrist can be fully revealed, he who now restrains will do so till he's taken out of the way. How is that going to happen? When we're caught up in the rapture, the Holy Spirit's in all of us. Woo! Does that mean the Holy Spirit will not, no longer be operating here on the earth? No. He just won't be personally indwelling the millions of believers who are now in the very presence of God. Millions, maybe billions. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. When we come back with Jesus at the end of the tribulation, Jesus is going to take care of him. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, even as God is the Spirit. The devil is the ultimate evil spirit. The working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. I told you this last week. It's not enough to believe the truth. You've got to love it. And if you love it, you don't get offended by it. No matter what it is. No matter what we read in God's Word. No matter what truth is imparted to us. We don't get offended. We don't get mad. We don't get angry. Because we love God's truth. We hate sin. And we love God. We hate the father of all lies. And we love God's truth. John 18, 37. I rarely use this version, but I will for this verse. New Living Translation. Pilate said to Jesus, So you are a king? Jesus responded, You say I'm a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. Wow, there's another easy way to pinpoint Who's of God and who is not? If you love Jesus, all who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. And by the way, for most of the world today, the truth is not set in stone. Do you realize that? You will commonly hear this phrase all the time. Your truth. My truth. His truth. Her truth. There's only one truth. It's not yours, it's not mine, it's not his, it's not hers, it's God's truth. <clears throat> Second Thessalonians 2. For this reason God will send them that strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Ultimately this deception, we know that Satan is the father of all lies, but because men have rejected God, God is rejecting men. And he's going to send a strong delusion, a strong deception. Chuck Missler dubbed this the age of deception 20 years ago. I've renamed it the age of insanity. That they should believe the lie. Now, have you ever asked yourself, why do people believe these ridiculous lies? It's right here in the Word of God. Did you know that whatever you need to know, it's in the Word? Did you know that? Some people think it's not. Oh, in fact, this is another popular phrase. Well, the Bible is all true. But not all truth is in the Bible. You know what that is? That's a doctrine of demons. That's what it is. All truth is in the Bible, folks. 
All truth is in the Bible. For this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they may all be condemned who did not realize the truth, but had pleasure. Why do people not love the truth? Because they have pleasure in unrighteousness. The truth says you don't fornicate. Pleasure says you do. The truth says you don't adulterate. Pleasure says you do. The truth says you don't abuse alcohol and become a drunkard. The truth says you don't. Pleasure says you do. You get it? Therefore, we don't want anything to do with your truth. So now you know where all the craziness and insanity we are now witnessing comes from. It's that simple. Verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because He who is in you. Why are you of God? Why are you able to overcome these lying, deceiving spirits? Because He who is in you, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is greater than He who is in the world. Did you hear where up in Alaska, they had some kind of a governmental meeting. I don't remember if it was a city council. Was it the city council? They just... They passed a law a few months ago in Alaska that anybody of any, quote, faith could give the invocation at their meetings. So some young girl comes in and gives a little invocation and goes, Hail Satan. And about a dozen people walked out, including the mayor. Praise God. Amen. Oh, boy, if she isn't a prime example of what we're talking about. Hail Satan. Little girl, you don't know what, what you're in for. You are of God, little children. John's encouraging his kids, and that would include us here this morning. He's encouraging his kids that we are indeed from God. The devil will try to tell you you're not. See, if you're not from God, the devil's going to tell you, oh, yeah, you're from God. Oh, yeah. But if you are from God, he's going to try to tell you you're not. He lies to everybody. He lies to the unbeliever and tells them they're from God, lies to the believer and tells them you're not. But greater is he who is in us. John's encouraging his kids that they and we are indeed from God because we know the truth, we believe the truth, we walk in the truth, we love the truth, and we continue in the truth. And have overcome them. Who? The lying, deceiving spirits who are in the process of leading the whole world astray. This is the essence of spiritual warfare, folks. Often we will say, man, I'm really under attack today. The devil's really on my back. You ever say that, have thoughts like that? But the, the real core, the real essence of spiritual warfare is the battle for the truth. Do you see that? If you believe the lie, the devil's got you. Satan, folks, is not out to just bum you out, although he likes to do that. He's not out to just burn you out, although he likes to do that too. You know what he's really all about? He wants to destroy your faith any way he can. John 10.10, 10, the thief, by the way, the thief is the devil, does not come except, it's the only reason he's around, the only reason he will mess with you or send one of his emissaries to mess with you. Does not come except to steal, to rip you off any way he can. 
monetary, relationships, mentally, emotionally, physically, you name it, to steal from you, to kill. If you're already saved, the, the devil hates your guts even more than he did before. He can't take away your salvation. He'd still like to take you out. Every Christian he can get rid of is to his advantage. It's one less believer in the world to share the gospel. To kill and to destroy. Paul talks about men who departed from sound doctrine and they, they, their faith became shipwrecked. Have you known someone who was a believer who's now shipwrecked? I've known them. I know I can think of one right now right off the top of my head. Bless you again. You need to come up for prayer afterwards. Sounds like you have allergies. Okay, I, Jesus says, have come that they may have life, not death. I've told you so many times, how do you know who's of God and who's not? God is pro-life, the devil's pro-death. Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly, to the full. Not just life, but life with gusto, more abundantly than you've ever had before. You're of God, little children have overcome them because he who is in you. If you're indeed a child of God, he actually literally, I'm not sure how often we really think about this and really get a hold of this idea that God literally li lives inside of us. Literally. It's not something you can measure with man-made instruments. But according to God's word, he literally lives inside of us. That's why in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul warns about defiling the temple. Read that chapter, 1 Corinthians 6. John 14, 7, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Why do they call lies the truth and truth lies? Because they can't receive the truth. If you don't receive Jesus, you can't receive the truth because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells in you and will be where? In you. Boy, if we would get up every day and think about that, our behavior would probably be altered somewhat. What do you think? Wait a minute. If this isn't just me in here. Hello, God, are you in there? Yes. John 14, 19 through 20, a little while longer, the world will see me no more. Why? Because he's ascending to the Father. Acts chapter 1. Bang. The first rapture. Actually, Enoch was the first rapture. And then Elijah. Then Jesus. A little while longer, the world will see me no more, but you will see me. How do we see him? In the Spirit in our hearts and minds, because He lives in us. Because I live, you will live also, and at that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Colossians 1.27 To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What's the mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you want the hope of glory, God's got to be in you. Jesus has got to be in you. Again, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the creator of all things. I told you last week, one of the worst doctrines to ever creep into the church was that Christians can be demon-possessed. No way, Jose. And you know what? 
You look, look into it for yourself. There isn't one verse in the entire New Testament that teaches that. And yet that's a doctrine that's very popular out there, and it's a great way to make excuses for your sin. Oh, the devil made me do it. Wow, thank God it's not my fault. It was a demon. Can you cast it out of me? Yeah, I can cast that spirit out of you. Get on your knees and repent before God. That'll get rid of it. Because it's your sin. It's not a demon. You really think the Spirit of God is going to cohabitate with a demon? If the Spirit of God's in you, there ain't no demons getting in. They can buzz around the outside. I like to sit on my front porch sometimes at night, watch Fox News on my iPad. Oh, I knew he was one of those. <laughs> and these bugs will buzz around you, mosquitoes and gnats, and they're just, they're not in me, but they're around me, and they drive me nuts. If you've got bugs living inside of you, you've got big problems. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He is greater than Satan. Satan gets a lot of airtime, but he's just a pipsqueak compared to our God. The key is to make sure that he, God, is in you. No wonder, folks, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. No wonder the phrase that is rapidly encompassing the globe is Allah u Akbar. Do you know what that means? Avi Lipkins taught us, if you've been here to hear Avi, it doesn't mean God is great. It's another one of those many lies. It means God is greater. Allah is greater. Who is Allah supposed to be greater than? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's supposed to be greater than Jesus Christ. Allah u Akbar. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because who is Allah really? Satan. Don't take my word for it. Ask Avi Lipkin. And a lot of other knowledgeable people. Allah is just another name for Satan. Ooh, I just keep getting in deeper. <laughs> Satan's trying to saturate the world with the lie that he is greater than the God of the Bible. Hail Satan, little girl up in Alaska says. They put up that statue of Baphomet in Detroit. Jonathan Kahn exposed where they put up the arches to the Temple of Baal in New York City. It's coming, folks. It's getting closer every day. Satan's trying to saturate this world with the lie that he's greater than the God of the Bible, when in fact it's just the opposite. Greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. God knew before the beginning of time that this would happen, and he gave us these verses 2,000 years in advance to protect us from the intensive onslaught of the enemy in these last days. The shield of truth, folks. That's one of the pieces of God's armor. The breastplate of righteousness, the shield of truth, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Let's stand. Let's stand. I'm going to ask the prayer team to go ahead and come now because we're not going to do a closing song today. So prayer team, if you would come and...
I'm going to pray, and then after that, you're invited to come up for prayer if you'd like prayer for any reason. If you'd like to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you'd like to recommit your life to Christ, if you have something you need to work with God on, then you come. If you need healing, how many of you believe that God can and will heal you? Deliverance, again, not from demonic possession, but perhaps oppression, depression, so forth. God has everything you need, folks. If you need prayer, come after we close. Father God, thank you for this time together today, for the worship, for the teaching of your word, for the gathering of the saints, the body of Christ, the family of God. By your grace, we stand. We stand firmly in and upon your truth. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through you. We honor you. We honor your name. We uphold your name. We bless your name. It's the only name given under heaven by which man must be saved. You're the one mediator. Thank you for making a way, Lord Jesus, for us to enter into relationship with our Heavenly Father. Give us strength as we go forth now. Help us to be the light in the darkness, the salt of the earth, for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.